On this episode, I talked to uh, Corey from Blue Stallion Brewery in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, we get a little bit different perspective, um, switching gears to beer instead of bourbon. Uh, he talks a little bit about the community as a whole, uh, the beer community as a whole in Lexington, growing as it has since uh, since its inception. So I uh, hope you enjoy and uh, get out to their uh, anniversary coming up this weekend, I believe. Check out their Facebook page, Blue Stallion Brewery. Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. We have a special guest. We're switching it up a little bit this week. We're talking some beer and not as much bourbon. This is uh, Corey Donnelly or Don Donnelly. Donnelly, yeah, Donnelly. you got it right the first okay, time. Okay, good. <laughs> From uh, Blue uh, Blue Stallion in Lexington, Kentucky. How you doing, Corey? I'm well, Chad. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Glad to. Uh, so, what do you do at uh, Blue Stallion? Well, oh, everybody does a little of everything. Technically, I'm the head brewer, uh, but I do the finances and deal with the distributors and uh, do some of the management. But uh, everybody puts on different hats every day, you know. Are you uh, part of the ownership group, or is it owned by somebody else? I am. It's, so it's um, me and my two brothers and two other guys, Jim Clemens and Nico Schultz. So the five of us are the owners but uh, everybody takes part in different ways nice and how long have you all been open we opened in july of 2013 so we're coming up on our fifth year anniversary here in three weeks yeah july 17th nice cool uh actually blue stallion was one of my favorite breweries when i was living in lexington well we miss having you man <laughs> <laughs> i miss being there uh okay so, I was talking to you before the podcast started. You do actually drink bourbon as well as beer, right? I do. I do. I love bourbon. Uh, I grew up in Kentucky. It was really maybe the first alcohol I had besides a little sip of Budweiser was <laughs> bourbon. So, uh, it was kind of what, what I started on as a younger person. Nice. Good. Uh, so, what what's your favorite bourbon when you choose to drink bourbon? Uh, it really depends on what... Uh, I have available. Um, I like the, not spending much money and getting like a lot of uh, good flavor. So uh, I like Bullet. I like um, Four Roses. I think a lot of the stuff out of um, uh, Buffalo Trace. I don't like Buffalo Trace brand itself, but a ton of the brands they make are fantastic. So, well, how did you get into brewing or being a brewer? Uh, I started out as a home brewer, so I did that for quite a while, um, maybe 10 years or so before we started working on the actual brewery. So I did, you know, a lot of brew at home, different recipe styles and, uh, learning everything I could, reading a lot of books about brewing and the business behind it and eventually met other people interested in the same thing, but they had expertise that I didn't have and, uh, you know, together we kind of made a, a good group to be able to open a brewery. And so we, we pursued that back 
around 2011, 2012, we got started on the plan for the brewery and um, we opened up about 10 months or so after we started working on the building uh, in the summer of 2013. What was that building before it is what it is now? It's been a several things. Right before us, it was the workshop for a guy that did custom iron work. So he made like fences and stair railings and, and, and sculptures out of iron. But I think his day job was making uh, fences and stairs out of iron. I know you all were one of the earlier uh, people get to come downtown for the revitalization of that area. Yeah, so I actually grew up not very far far away from there technically it was across the street from where west six brewing is now it's like three blocks from us um and so i love that area it's where i spent my childhood and um you know we were excited to find a location available not far from where we grew up and you know it it uh i think helps bring people to an area that had otherwise been a little bit forgotten um even though it's it's beautiful down there and lots to do now and um, like you said, it's, it's a nice revitalization of the neighborhood in general. Yeah, that's everybody started uh, coming down there not too, probably my second or third year into college, everybody started moving uh, to building stuff down there. It was really nice to see all that area be revitalized like that. Yeah. And what did you do before Blue Stallion? <laughs> so not brewing. So yeah. I was a database maintenance person uh, for about nine or ten years uh right before the brewery um for a nonprofit trade association um and before that i worked for the university of kentucky for a uh, department called the distance learning program mm. so we did like online classes and uh so i did technology work primarily but um of course my background is uh, in in marketing and i have an mba from uk so I wasn't really doing uh, what my degree was in at the time. So having the brewery kind of gives me the opportunity to use some of the education and the business background. And have fun. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you graduated from UK, so go Cats. Yep, absolutely. So we just got that transfer today from for basketball. Oh, Reed, Reed Travis? Yeah, he committed. Yeah, I hadn't seen the news yet. That's awesome. I've been following the story but that's good news i think he actually enrolled in classes uh today no not think it's the old summer program right? yeah uh this class this podcast actually used to be called uh bourbon basketball and bullshit and i changed it to bourbon boys because i couldn't get anybody on to talk about basketball <laughs> nice you just need uh need some uk fans we can talk about basketball all day long yeah my normal co-host doesn't know shit about basketball so i couldn't really chat with him about it <laughs> He must not be from Lexington. He lives in Lexington and works at Cheesecake Factory. No, come on, man. Yeah. Not your basketball. No doubt. Uh, so, what's your favorite kind of beer? Man, it really depends on the day, the time of day, how hot it is outside, how mm -hmm. cold it is. I um, really enjoy this time of year uh, light sours. So, like, sours are a little bit crisp. And uh, not super heavy, kind of the five percent. Um, but I'll, I'll try anything. I really enjoy kind of the experimentation aspect of uh, beer, and that there are so many different types of beer and flavors involved. And so I, I really enjoy the opportunity to try something new, really. So um, 
if I'm at a store and I know they don't have much selection, then I'm going to probably be looking for like Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. That's like a super consistent, really tasty uh, IPA. Um, but if, if there's a lot of variety, I really want to try something I've never tried before. So that's what I'm, I try to find something new. So you're, you really like IPAs. I enjoy them. That it's not my go-to. Bell's Two Hearted, I think, is in a category for me personally that other IPAs aren't. I think it's hard to make IPAs consistently, and they make it taste the same today, which is good. It tastes real good um, that it did when I first had it like eight or nine years ago. So I don't think there's any other IPAs I've had that are like that. Um, but I like I like dark beers when it's a little bit colder outside, a little bit more filling, like an eight percent uh, imperial stout or something. It's delicious. If it's a little bit colder, mm-hmm. it may hit me a little harder, a little hard, uh, more difficult for me to enjoy if it's 105 degrees, you know, <laughs> nine or ten or eleven percent imperial stout. Um, so I like a lot of different beer styles. But um, you know, if I'm at my brewery where we focus mostly on uh, German style lagers, then I'm drinking a lot of our Dunkel, which is our best seller, mm-hmm. or um, we make this beer called Patch Kids, which is a mm-hmm. kettle soured Hellas. So it's like a light lager, but it's been kettle soured, so it's a little bit tart. Um, I think it's really refreshing. It's kind of in the same ballpark as like a lemonade, but um, you know, still has some of the grassy characteristics of of a, a light German style lager. Nice. Um... I'm more of a, I like your, your German beers is probably why I like the, your old brewery so much. I'm a, a Doppelbach or a, a Dubell or, or a Trippel's, things like that. Barrel yeah. age most of the time. Uh, so that's pretty much exclusively yeah. what I drink. We just, uh, we had put some, man, the history of this bourbon barrel age beer is kind of long. So we um, made a Belgian Golden Strong mm-hmm. like three years ago. It was really tasty, but we put some of it in a uh, second-use bourbon barrel that we intentionally inoculated with souring organisms. Mm-hmm. And so it sat in there for two years, and then we took it out of that and put it into a fresh Willet barrel about six months ago. And we just pulled it out of the Willet barrel yesterday, and it is awesome. It's super complex, very tart, a little bit funky, but the bourbon character is coming through from the fresh bourbon barrel we got from Willet. So I enjoy uh, bourbon barrel-aged beers, too. I think we're really lucky in Kentucky to have kind of a supply of freshly emptied barrels kind of all over the place uh, from different distilleries with different characteristics of their, their actual bourbon so um you know we're a little bit luckier luckier than some other breweries in other states that have a little bit of trouble getting bourbon barrels <laughs> yeah that's actually how you and i met was i let you uh, use that uh, smooth ambler barrel and that I was got, a delicious beer too i got three of those bottles right down here that i'm holding on to right now and nice uh, so i think they're going to be um kind of at their peak probably in six months to a year okay I'll keep that in mind. I, I I drank one with my brother who came and picked them up. He got one and had it in the fridge when I got there to pick these up. So I got to taste it fresh, too. Cool. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's still a little bit hot from the alcohol, just a little bit. And that'll, that'll come out with a little bit more age on it. Well, it was 120-proof bourbon in that barrel. So. <laughs> you know, I'd forgotten that when we first talked about it. Normally we're getting... Um, some of the barrels are even washed, which is unfortunate. We try to get the freshly emptied ones with barrel strength, but uh, 
120 does kind of show through a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of that, I've I noticed maybe you probably, obviously you have too because you've been in the, bur- the beer industry. As the bourbon boom has exploded, the explosion of barrel-aged beer seems to have rolled along with it. Have you noticed that as well? Absolutely. In fact, it's much, much more difficult even in Kentucky to get barrels than it was, I don't know, six years ago when we first started buying barrels. Uh, we could, I could call Buffalo Trace and get, you know, two to ten barrels four hours from now and they will have been emptied, you know, within three or four days. Um, now, it, I have to kind of schedule way ahead of time. There are a few distilleries that I can call and get them day of, but um, there are fewer and far between. Um, so it's very difficult. A lot of the distilleries now have contracts with larger um, breweries to get almost all of their freshly emptied barrels, where that wasn't the case 10 years ago. You know, they were basically having to disassemble those barrels. They shipped them over to Scotland and, you know, put a scotch in them and mm-hmm. they got them for dirt cheap over there. But now they're charging me $145 a barrel. Wow. And five years ago, I could get them for 90 bucks a barrel. And that's if I can find them today, I'm paying 145 So, So is that, uh, is that making you have to transfer over and use different barrels to do your barrel aging program in? Or are you just... Well, as of today, like uh, not to let the cat out of the bag, but uh, Four Roses is the distillery I can call and get a fresh empty barrel anytime. Um, so that took us about a year or two to figure out that they will always have them available. They've kind of got some kind of program where they hold some every time they empty barrels. They hold some back for um, local businesses that want to buy them. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, so, you know, when we first started, we were calling Buffalo Trace and getting their barrels, and that worked out really well until they started telling us no over and over and over again. Like, yeah, we don't have any, we don't have any. So, um, and we, we've gotten barrels from, like, um, Very Old Barton. I forget, is, is that the distillery name, or is there a more uh, official name for Very Old Barton? It's just Barton. But they, um, I think Barton. Barton. They, uh, they wash their barrels, which is a little bit unfortunate. So mm-hmm. we've had like some issues buying barrels from them because um, we're putting basically finished beer in that's you know uh, still pretty susceptible to infection. And so a uh, a barrel that's been washed is more likely to have microorganisms in it that might sour that beer on accident and sour mm-hmm. it in a way that's unpredictable and probably isn't going to taste good. So it's kind of important to get freshly empty barrels that haven't been washed so that we can uh, put a beer in it and be pretty confident it's not going to be infected and, and turn sour in a way that isn't uh, a complement to the flavor, you know. So the uh, alcohol that's in the barrel still sort of kills those microorganisms. Right, yeah. So you, you a freshly empty barrel, you know, is still going to have a quart or so of bourbon still sloshing around in there and that keeps all the surfaces um from having microorganisms grow on them but once they rinse that bourbon out uh you know even wild yeast in the air or a little bit of bacteria in the air can go in through the bung and it doesn't take much uh in a beer that so it's already been fermented and so the yeast is done uh 
eating the sugar. So any sugar that's left, any organism that kind of gets introduced is likely to eat that and put weird flavors in the beer. Interesting. Uh, so back to the revitalization of downtown, it, noticing just from when I moved to Lexington and, and the distilleries or breweries explosion that's happened, um, just, I mean, we started off with West Six and then you all came along, along with, uh, probably Country Boy and now they're everywhere. Have you, have you noticed that as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I was in college, there was not that much to do that wasn't like kind of a dive bar or a club. And I'm in, I like dive bars, but I don't like clubs. So there wasn't all that much to do for a 20-something when I was 21 or 19 or whatever growing up. So I think in uh, in the past eight or 10 years, you know, Lexington has seen a huge increase in things for the 21 to 40 year old crowd to do and make them want to stay in Lexington versus, you know, I'm going to get my degree and then leave because there's not much for me as a young adult, but I think that's changed quite a bit. Yeah. They're trying to uh, get the young professionals to stay in town. Right. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's been a really positive change for Lexington. I think we've, uh, we've kind of, even maybe surpassed Louisville as far as like a um, revitalization of things for young people to do. Um, and we're, we're a much smaller town, so I'm really excited to see that. And the new building that they're building down, downtown, is that uh, coming closer to being finished? <laughs> it is, man. I sit there and watch it for <laughs> a decade of this empty pit. It was yeah. embarrassing. So now it's, I think it's up to maybe seven or eight stories and they're adding you know you can see a change every day so that's a good sign i don't really know exactly what to expect when it's done but uh, i think it'll be nice not to have a four-story deep pit in the ground in the middle of downtown (laughs) or just a field in the middle of downtown it looks like it's out of place yeah like what happened here oh all the cool little music venues and bars used to be here and then we just bulldozed them that's great what was the name of that one that was down there the dane the Dame, yeah, yeah, I love the Dame. There was like a pool hall next to it and the Dame, and man, they, they bulldozed that when I was about 23 or 24 years old, so I spent a few years going to concerts and stuff there, but, you know, it was it was where everybody would go if you were under 40, and they bulldozed it, and what the hell do you do now? I think I moved there right after they, bull- or right before they bulldozed it, so I got to see it, but not really experience it. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, it was, it's unfortunate. That, there was a lot of really cool things on that block, and they, you know, it's gone forever, a lot of Lexington history, but, oh well, hopefully the new place is cool and adds, uh, and, you know, a positive vibe to downtown, but it'll, it'll be better than the hole in the ground, that's for sure. I assume that you're hoping that that brings a lot more traffic to downtown as well. I do, although, you know, to be honest, I, I, I don't really consider Blue Study to be a downtown business. Uh, we're three and a half blocks from Riverina, but I think Riverina is kind of the edge of downtown, really. Um, so while I definitely want more people to come to Lexington, I'm not sure that the, the downtown um, venue is going to change a whole lot with this new the hotel and steakhouse, but uh, it'll look nicer, that's for sure. I feel like it's starting to spread out a little bit downtown. Yeah, I mean, growing up there in Lexington, there were... It's always had a parking issue. You can never 
really fun enough parking downtown. And I think in, Lex in a place like Lexington, where it is pretty spread out, you know, people are much more likely to go to eat or a place for entertainment where they know before they leave their house that they're going to be able to find a place to park. And I think that's always been a problem downtown. But, I mean, it's, it's getting better. They've added a few uh, parking garages and stuff over the years, but it's still not quite enough. Uh, I was actually talking to a friend the other day and noticed that, that you see a bunch of barrel-aged beers, but you never see anything, uh, any IPAs barrel-aged. Is there a reason for that? Uh, yeah, uh, the big one is that hops are very time-sensitive. The, the volatile oils that actually make it bitter and give you the smell of hops, they actually break down fairly consistently you you the rule of thumb is that every six months or so the perceived bitterness drops in half so if you were to put a beer in a barrel and leave it for a year you're going to lose 75 percent basically of the perceived bitterness from the original ipa so you know you end up spending quite a bit of money on the hops in the beer so if you aren't going to perceive it at the end it almost doesn't make sense to start out by spending that money if you're not even going to taste it at the end. So that's, I think a big reason breweries don't don't frequently barrel age IPAs. Mm, interesting. And a lot of the other beers don't have that much hop, so it doesn't affect them. Right. Yeah. A lot of the, it's more like malt forward, grain forward flavors, and those are usually accentuated. You know that that bread character, kind of the toast and coffee uh, character of those malt beers like a Doppelbach or you know a barley wine or whatever those are going to be uh, enhanced by the vanilla and spice and all that of a bourbon barrel I was really upset that I had to miss the craft brew fest this year this is my first Man, year in like the last time. six it years was a good time. it was I love that thing it's uh the you're referring to the event, the Alltech event downtown, yeah. right, in May? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm really glad that they do that. I hope that uh, with the unfortunate passing of Dr. Lyons that mm -hmm. they continue to do it. I know that it was planned before he passed away. So I, I think it brings a lot of people to Lexington that come for the first time or only come for that. So, you know, it's good for tourism. Uh, plus, it's a really cool show anyway. It mm -hmm. lets everybody showcase kind of what makes Lexington unique, so um, I hope they keep doing it. That's how I figured out how many breweries were there last time. I mean, I had <laughs> right. no idea they had them out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Paducah, Danville, yeah, right. pretty much any city you think about in Kentucky has a brewery in it now. Yeah, anything over about 25,000 seems to have a brewery by now. So, do you all have anything uh, coming down the, the, the road that you'd like to promote? Uh, we have some um, Northeast IPAs coming out over the summer. It's kind of the new uh, fad or craze or whatever you want to call it. It's these like uh, super heavily hops beers, but you add the hops after you turn the flame off. Mm -hmm. So they actually don't add the bitterness of the hops, but they do add the flavor and smell of the hops. And so they're... They've become really popular in the Northeast where they were kind of invented in Vermont, especially. There were several breweries that were, have been doing it for about a decade. And they've kind of, the 
idea of these style of beers has gotten popular kind of all over the country. So we've made a few of those that have turned out what I think is really good. Um, we've got some barrel-aged beer coming out, like I said, that uh, Willet-barreled, kind of a double-barreled Belgian uh, Golden Strong that's soured is really tasty, although there's not going to be a whole lot of that. There's only the 53 gallons or whatever from that barrel, but uh, we're really excited to put that out. That'll probably be a super limited release. We might even do like 50 or 60 bottles of it just so there's some that people can take home. Um, and we're going to have like a big party for our 50th anniversary on July 17th in Lexington. So um, if anybody wants to come out, we'll do commemorative classes. We'll do some um, beer releases and probably a bottle or two uh yeah, release that day too so unfortunately that'll be the weekend after i'm coming in town <laughs> well give me a buzz and i'll see if we have anything ready before the actual release and i'll uh i'll, I'll pop it over to you i appreciate it i'm actually coming in uh the weekend before that to do a uh, blend at bourbon 30 for the bluegrass blue bb and t page cool awesome have you ever been out to that distillery i haven't but i heard it's really cool looking it is. You should check it out sometime. It's not looking at. It doesn't look very cool, but it definitely is a very interesting experience. Well, I I heard it was like kind of industrial and a little bit Frankenstein, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's that's what we did at the brewery, and I, that, that appeals to me. That aesthetic. So. Yeah, Jeff's a Jeff's a kook. He was actually on here a couple of weeks ago with me. Nice, awesome. Um, so what's your all's address? We are at 610 West 3rd Street, which is the corner of Newtown Pike and 3rd Street. There's like a fairly big railroad crossing there on Newtown Pike. We're right there, um, the second building in on the right, where the single-story brick building. Uh, we've got parking uh, inside the gate and across the street. So if you come down, uh, park in either one. And uh, we have Dad's Favorite Deli, which... Uh, fun side note, they're Lexington's highest rated Yelp restaurant. <laughs> uh, they uh, they're, uh, have a kind of a kiosk uh, at the brewery where they do their hot sandwiches and um, they do hot pretzels and beer cheese and, and nachos and some pub food style food. They do lunch and dinner. Um, so if you're hungry, come down and have lunch or, or uh, grab an early dinner or stick around and have some nachos and play darts and pool. I remember when you all added them, I used to go to their storefront uh, down on Main Street. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, we used to go eat their food at lunch, like, I don't know, three or four times a week. And, um, you know, one day it kind of dawned on us, man, we love this food so much. Maybe we could see if they want to, you know, build a small kitchen um, in the tiny little space we had available. And, you know, it just worked out. Like, we went over and introduced the idea to them and they thought it was a really good idea it took about six months to kind of figure out the logistics but you know we started um, i think they served their first sandwich in january of 2017 and it's been a pretty good success since then well Corey, thanks for coming on with me today and well, i appreciate uh, it Chad. congratulations for all your success success i hope you all have a lot more Thank you very much, man. Let me again. Let me know when uh, you're going to be in town, and I'll uh, hook up with you in person. I appreciate, it, man. Thanks. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. -bye.